0: visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.
1: So we cannot escape the fact that our entire world revolves around circles. Last week we talked about the fact that our entertainment revolves around circles. And even the games that we play are built upon circles. Let me just mention a few. Ring around the rosy pocket full of posy. What is a posy, by the way? I, I, I don't know, but duck, duck, goose. Anybody in here a duck, duck, goose champion, the all-time champion? Oh yeah, some of you think you are, I know. Uh, musical chairs, hula hoops, ring toss, washers, uh, marbles. I was a marble champion in elementary school, you know it. Uh, uh, Wheel of fortune, and now cornhole. Yeah, now we're there. Uh, circles surround. These um, circled games, these, these games built around circles result in people gathering in circles to play. Uh, circles is another way to talk about relationships. We would all agree that our friends determine our future. Uh, Those relationships that we're building our lives on determine our destiny. We said it like this here, that those that are close matter most. And we talked about the fact that we've declared that we've got to know how a circle is supposed to function. If we do not know how our circles are supposed to function, then we will never fully tap into or harness the, uh, the benefits, the fruit of those circles or we will sabotage the circles that we are in and we will exit them way before we should. And we will do that over and over again. We will. Uh, we refuse to be accountable. We refuse to be transparent. We refuse to be vulnerable. And the result is, is this. We, we suffer in isolation and we call it independence. I don't need anybody. And we suffer because we're all by ourselves. Or the other thing that we do is we begin to jump in and out of circles, groups, churches, looking for the fruit of what we need, the the circle benefits that we need. We hop in and out and we never really get the, the results because we fail to understand that it requires us to invest time and energy and effort. And so in the time of our need, in the time of our distress, in the time of our pain, we begin to point fingers at everybody else and we say they're too shallow. They don't really care about me. But the reason that we don't have the the roots necessary is because we haven't tapped into our circles. But if we know the functions... If we know how our circles are supposed to function, then we will make the appropriate demands and we will begin to develop the right characteristics in our circle and our circles will fulfill the need of our life. And so we've begun to talk about that and I encourage you to remember that as we go through this series that you're going to want to ask this question, is my circle doing these things for me? But we gotta be careful, we gotta go one step further. We need to ask the equivalent question, the other question, the equally important question is, am I doing this for my circle? And I told you that right in plain sight in scripture, In the New Testament, we are shown in statements that revolve around this one another. 59 different one another statements right there in front of us. The the word is providing us circle coaching. It's teaching us what we should expect and contribute to our circle. So you should have your card, got your card. And so we said that uh, the first one... um, That is the core, the center one was this, love one another. Out of the 59 statements, 17 of them say in different occasions, love one another. That's 28, almost 29% of the entire list is telling us that you must love one another. If we don't love one another, we will never be able to pull off the rest of these, these characteristics that we need to pull off. So we must love one another. I remind you of that because as we did last week, we dealt with the most difficult one of the whole uh, group. I think it's there's six orbiting components around loving one another and we dealt with one of the most difficult ones and you got to love one another to be able to pull this one off. We said last week that the first component right here at the top is that we must confess our faults and forgive. You got to love one another to pull that one off. You got to be in this place because if we don't confess, then James says that we will never be healed, we will never be whole. If we, so we got to find circles where we can be confidential and careful and, and be involved in circles where everybody in the circle knows that they themselves need grace. Can I, can I get any help? Anybody want to be in a circle where nobody knows they need grace? We've got to remember that we're all sinners saved by grace. And before we see this body as a congregation of saints, we must also first recognize that we are a gathering of sinners first. And as we encounter Jesus, we become saints. So we need forgiveness and, and we need grace. If our church can be made up of circles like this, then we become a bastion of grace for those who are wounded and broken. So let's continue. There is another component that we must make sure that our circles are, 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 are providing for us and that we're providing for them, and that is this. The second orbiting component is that we must serve one another. Serve one another. So here are the eight coaching commands regarding serving one another. The first one is in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. You will never serve anyone if you think you're better than them. Come on now. Wake up this morning. I'm already preaching right there. You will never serve anybody that you think you're better than. He says honor one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24, verse 25. God himself has put the body together in such a way as to give greater honor to those parts that need it. And so there is no division in the body. But all its different parts have the same concern for one another. Number three. Galatians chapter 5, verse um, 18 Correction, verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You see it? It's spinning around this core concept that we love one another, so now we serve one another. Then he goes on in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, and he says, help carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will obey the law of Christ. Then in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to, to boast but be but be humble towards one another always considering others better than yourself. First Peter chapter 4 verse 9 verse 10 offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various Forms And perhaps the most compelling statement, this one another, serving one another statement is found in the New Testament where Jesus himself models for us this component of uh, serving others inside of his own circle. You can turn if you want to. It'll be on the screen. John chapter 13, verse 14. Jesus speaking says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. All right, take your shoes off. Yeah. Jesus God himself. God himself stoops down and washes the dirty, nasty. Come on now, they didn't they they didn't have the shoes that we have. They were wearing sandals at best. And those of you that have been in Israel recognize just how dirty and nasty your feet would be if you were in that situation. Dusty and dirty and grimy. And Jesus himself, God himself, takes a towel, wraps it around his waist, and he doesn't just talk about serving. Instead, He throws off his robes of divinity and the most anointed, the most gifted, the most powerful one, not only in the room, but in the entire universe, kneels down at the feet of his disciples and he serves them. We should have known he would have done this because in Mark chapter 10, Jesus made the statement. He says, I didn't come to to be served, but to serve. But he proves that this is not just some motto or just some slogan or some cliche. He wasn't just wearing a t-shirt that he got at his local congregation that made it look like he was serving. No, he says, you know what? Let me model this for you. Let me show you what service really looks like in, in, that, so that I meet these people at the dirtiest, nastiest, most broken area of their life and I clean them up. I'd humble myself. i carry their burden. i wash their feet off. That's what he's doing. He shows us that this is the approach and the posture that we must take to have effective circles. Our circles cannot be about what can I get from them. And now, if we follow Jesus' example, we shift, we turn, we make a new approach, and we meet people where they are. Can we do any less than he did? Whose feet are you washing? Whose dirt are you handling carefully? Who, who, whose pain are you lessening whose heartache are you healing whose tears are you wiping away circles are where that this should happen where we interact with one another and we find each other in broken conditions and we serve i want to mention a couple things about service that i think we need to learn this morning i hope that it will help you understand what i'm talking about the first thing i want to say to you this morning is this is that service is the mortar uh, if love Okay, we're talking about this core component If love is the glue, which I believe that it is that's I think that's why in Galatians I read to you, he says that we serve one another In love Love is the glue that causes us to, to be bound together But but I think I think maybe if love is the glue Then, then service is the mortar uh, you, you know, I started thinking about uh, Mortar a little bit If you know anything about Uh, construction you recognize that uh there are uh, liquid nail I I just know a couple because I don't know much about uh, construction but liquid nails is a great unless you get it on you and then it's not so great but but anyway liquid nail there's this glue stuff that holds stuff in place but without mortar or grout it doesn't look finished there are gaps In fact, what we're discovering on—I just use this church. Y'all know we remodeled several years ago. I think it was back in 2012. We put these nice rock columns up, and they put this backing on the rocks and stick them to the wall. And then they come behind it and they put mortar. And what we're discovering that as 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 the mortar deteriorates, even though they were stuck to the wall with something else, they dislodge. They shift. They don't stay attached. So serving keeps us circled. In fact, you know, I I hadn't got to make up a new word this year. So uh, people who don't serve will uncircle. (laughs) My English teachers are just rolling. Okay. (laughs) This is what happens. We deal with people all the time and we go, they're being served. And yet they continue to seem to uncircle. They break relationship. They bail out. I, I, I wanna, I, haven't, haven't you noticed that the people who have the most done for them but never serve anyone else uncircle? I I can testify that the people around here that have been served the most in this body, they've had every need met, they've been prayed for when they need prayer, they've been given financial help when they need financial help, they've been given attention, they've been given applause, they've been given counseling, they've been given encouragement, they've been given food, we bought their kids Christmas presents, you name it, we did it. And yet, with all of their needs met, they leave because they could never shift their focus off of themselves. I want you to hear me this morning. Service is the mortar. We, see, we all have two basic needs in life. One is to be known. We want people to know who we are. We want them to be able to call our name. We want to be known. But, there, but just being known is not enough. That, that's only one component. One, one of the things that we need in our life to feel fulfilled. The second one is this. We need to be needed. Needed and known. So, so in other words, what, what we're discovering is, is that as you begin to recognize the needs of others, it causes us to be stuck together. Our lives become fulfilled. Our best bet to stick together, according to the coaching commands that Jesus and these writers in the New Testament have given us, is is this: the best bet we have to stick together is by serving, meeting the needs of those in your circle. Check on your circle. Carry their burdens. Help them through tough times. As you reach focus off of. But pastor, you don't understand. I have needs. I understand. We all have needs. But what we've learned is this, is it's when you refocus your attention off of yourself onto somebody else's need, an interesting thing happens. While you're serving somebody else's need, somebody recognizes your need. And all of a sudden, we circle up, and we, we surround one another, and we, we circle the wagons around one another, and I help you when you need help, and you help me when I need help. And all of a sudden, we're stuck together like glue. I'm stuck on you. Anybody want to do a little line of Richie? Come on now. Some of, y'all going, some of y'all young ones are going, Lionel Richie, who's that? He's on America's Got Talent. No, what, American Idol, yeah, he's just a coach. Okay, he, he got it though. The, se- the second thing I want to say to you is this, and this is going to sound ridiculous. Service is about meeting needs. That sounds obvious and it sounds like a silly statement, but let me explain. I, I think one of the biggest challenges that we face in our circles today and the reason that so many never stay in healthy circles is that we serve but our approach is wrong okay we, we approach the concept of service based on the wrong question here's the question we've been why do we do this? we were taught to do this in church I'm trying to undo for you what you learned in church right now Right. Here's what we've been taught in church. The question we are taught to ask is this: What's my gift? The problem with that question is this is we've been taught to identify our gifts, and I'm, I hope you know what your gifts are, but here's the problem. We've also been taught that once we identify our gifts, we can't do anything else. I can only serve within the confines of my gift. That's the wrong approach. That that is the wrong approach. I can't do anything outside of that. Service is about meeting needs. So the question must change. If our circles are going to be functioning effectively, then the question we should be asking is this. What is the need and how do I meet it? There are some folks around here that have asked that question. I don't know where they unlearned the question they weren't supposed to, they they were taught to ask, which is, What is my gift? But somewhere along the way, we got some folks around here that have learned to ask the right question, which is, What is is the need? I'll feel any need. You know what the result is? Some of our gifted musicians are in the parking lot instead of playing on their instruments. It means that some of our most gifted and anointed singers are not in here on Sunday morning singing. You know where they are? In kids. Or working in the nursery. Oh, it's quiet up in here. It, it, we got people that, are, that apparently understand this concept because we got people that are gifted to teach and to preach and you know what they're doing? They're cleaning the sanctuary after second service or after first service so that the people that come into second service don't find all the trash. Or they're serving on the safety team instead of standing behind a pulpit of their own because they've asked the right question which is this, is there a need? What can I do to fill the need? Because the, the question is not what is my gift. The question is, is there a need? Can I meet it? Even if I don't feel called, even if I don't feel gifted, even if I don't feel anointed to pull it off, I make the determination that I am committed to meeting the needs of other people, period. And I'll do it any way I can. This removes that, this whole argument of that's not my gift. Man, don't ever say that to me. Please, if we ask y'all to do something around here, please don't ever say that's not my gift. Y'all, somebody gonna have to come visit me in jail because that's the wrong question. Because this is not about giftedness. This is about neediness. This is not about skill. This is about service. So I've discovered that if you faithfully and cheerfully serve outside the area of your giftedness, that God pays attention. And as you serve outside the area of your comfort zone and your giftedness, all of a sudden God opens opportunities. It may not happen on your time frame and you may have to serve in that area you don't even like for a little bit of time, but eventually God will throw open the doors because you've been faithful in little. All of a sudden he will allow you to become faithful in much. It's the way it works. It's the way it works. Our circles must be constantly and deliberately looking for needs that need to be met. We should constantly be asking the question, is there anybody in my circle that has an issue that I can resolve? And while you're asking that question about the people in your circle and in your communities, lo and behold, people are asking that about you. I want you to know that we must corporately we must remain in a constant state of looking for needs that we can meet. The reason that we need to do this is the same reason that each of us have to do this. And that is because if we're not careful with, with, with not even meaning to, we tend to slip back into self-centeredness. Should I get you to name the church that you grew up in or where you've been a part of that suddenly they start out caring about their community? They start out with all this outreach in mind and all of a sudden within about 15, usually around year 20, by the way, they turn inward and they forget about their community. When you first got saved, some of you were very concerned about all the people in your life that didn't know Jesus. Now you're not so bothered by it. We don't don't drift towards service. We drift towards self-centeredness. And I've told you that you can be a Christian and be self-centered. But you can't be Christ-like and be self-centered. And I am committed, and our teams are committed to this, that we will not be self-centered, that we will be more Christ-like than we've ever been. So we are, we are asking this question, who can we serve? How can we, how can we, as a body, corporately, how can we do more corporately than we can do individually? So we've been looking for needs, looking for needs, looking for needs, looking for needs, and I think I've found one. I've been giving you hints for months. I, I, I have... Communicated to you over and over again over the last few months, my concern my question is this is have the people in our community been served? Has the people have the people in our community right around us in our sphere of influence have they been served? what's the need? and this is what I've discovered I've been talking to you over the last few months over and over again about and I, and I don't care where you fall on the political s- s- side of this, just, just hear me very carefully and hear what I'm saying. I'm very concerned that within a four-mile radius of our church, there are now 50 medical marijuana distribution centers. Fifty. And I think what it does is it gives us a glimpse into an underlying issue that we need to address. 50 of them. Did you know that right now there are 10, I just have uh, the craziest thing. I'm sitting in my, my on my couch yesterday and a news article flashes across my timeline and I click it. I, and I'm shocked to discover it's the latest report. There are 10,000 marijuana dispensaries in Oklahoma. And then it goes on and it told me that 367,000 Oklahomans 10% of our entire population now has a miracle uh, a, a medical marijuana card come on now I had an interesting conversation with a parent not here. A friend of mine called me about two months ago. This is what made me start thinking about this. And he mentioned another couple that we both know. And he said, do you know that they just bought their son a medical marijuana card? And I was like, is he sick? He's 17. Is he sick? And the response was, no. They just know he wants to get high and they don't want him to get in trouble. So a parent spent the 150 bucks online and got him, come on now. It's an underlying issue. And, and then when you add the issue of prescription, prescription pill addictions, when you talk about the ravaging effects of alcohol, then I just can't help but come to a conclusion. There is a need. It is overwhelming and overrunning our society. It is overwhelming and overrunning the church. I've got a pastor friend in California that just told our our network that in the past four months, he's done 12 funerals. And I thought, COVID. Surely it's COVID. No, in the last four months, he's done 12 funerals, all because of overdoses during quarantine. There's a need. Julie and I both have immediate family members that are uh, that have suffered with this. Uh, My favorite cousin, who is now dead, killed himself drinking because there was nowhere for him to go to get help. There's a need. How many of you know somebody that is either struggling or has struggled with this same need? Have they been served? What are we gonna do? Well, let's get in here and have good worship services. That, that'll do it. They're not in here. There's a need. People are trying to find answers. The question is, is what are we gonna do about it? How are we gonna serve? Because I don't have the skills i I don't have the the ability to to address this, but there's a need. So, so today I'm, I'm thrilled to announce to you that we found a way to serve. As a corporate body, we can do more together than we can do on our own. We've identified the need. It is all around us, 50 of them all around us. As an identifying, every time you drive by one, you ought to go. It just represents a need. People are in need. Whether you agree with it, think it's okay, I don't know. All I know is it represents a need. They're either sick enough that they need help, or they're addicted and they need help. And so I'm excited today to tell you that we are partnering with the Hope, with Hope Center Ministries to open a Bethany Hope Center. You say, well, what, 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 what does that mean? We're going to be the host church for a Bethany Hope Center. What does that mean? Let me just share a few things with you just quickly. What is a Hope Center? A Hope Center, uh, Hope Center Ministries provides men and women with the opportunity to overcome their drug and alcohol addiction through their faith. Hope Center shows these individuals how to find peace and lasting freedom from their addictions through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Hope Center's Ministries is actually headquartered right here in Bethany now, and our own Teresa Thornton is the CFO. I don't know if you knew that or not. So we're we're already invested in it, but now corporately we're gonna become more invested in it. Here's some facts. You may not care about the facts, but I always research first because I want to make sure that we're doing something that works. If we're gonna try to if we're gonna expend the energy, the effort, the time, the money to do something, let's make sure it works. So in 2019, there were 19 Hope Centers across America. And in 2020, that jumped to 27 centers across the nation and overseas because there's a need. In 2019, there were 722 admissions, but in 2020, there were 1,076. I think there may be a need. There were 250 residents in these centers in 2019, but now there are over 400 residents across the nation and the world in Hope Centers. Last year... 190 graduated from this ministry, uh, and since its inception, there have been over a thousand graduates from this program. Now, wait a minute. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me stop for just a second and say this. This is what I love about Hope Center. You've got to understand how Hope Center identifies and counts success. This is what separates Hope Center from all the others. You are only a successful graduate of a Hope Center if. After you graduate, you stay in church. Think about that a moment. You can't just graduate and go back home. No, you you have to stay involved in a local church to be counted as successful. And out of that that scale, on that scale, Hope Center is 58% successful in this venture. You say, well, 58%. Well, did you know that the average program hovers somewhere between 5 and 21% and they don't even count whether the folks stay in church or not? What does being a Hope, a Hope Center host church means? It means this. It means in the coming months, we are going to literally have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of opportunities to serve. It means for the, we're starting a men's center. It means that for the, when we get this thing open, that for somewhere between eight months to a year, you are going to have the opportunity every week to love on these guys. To, to, to disciple these guys, to teach these guys, to help with devotions for these guys, to cook meals for these guys, to bless their children with Christmas gifts and birthday gifts. There are going to be multiplied opportunities to pray for them and encourage them and help them on this journey because they're going to be here every week. And not only are they here every week, get this, their families can only visit them on Sunday Sunday. And so all of a sudden on Sunday you're going to walk in and you're going to see folks that are coming to visit people they love that are in need and because their loved one is in need they're in need and we are going to have the opportunity as a body to wrap our arms around them and minister to them. Big and small. The second part of it is financially. Part of the, the responsibility of the host church for our Hope Center is to do this. We got to raise some money. I... Teresa could tell you to the dot how much, it, how much it costs to start a Hope Center. I don't want to know because I know it's a lot more than I'm getting ready to tell you. I just know that as a host church, one of our responsibilities and one of our investments is we need to raise $100,000. I, I feel the air went out of the room. Okay, let me help you. Um, Y'all don't know this, but about five years ago, I began to have a dream to have a, a, a center like this, and we actually went and got a 5013C of our own that we were going to start one, something like this, and we were starting the process, and it just wouldn't work. We never could make it happen. So we just tabled it, and I haven't done anything with it, but earlier, about middle of last year, right in the middle of quarantine, I went to the finance team and said, we need to start getting ready for this. We've been putting money back, and then I started making some phone calls, and just through... The fact that you tithe, and just through just a few phone calls, we right now have $32,873.22, thank you, Teresa, set back for our Hope Center. What that means is, is that this is our goal, let me just share the goal, by the end of March... We're going to try to raise the rest of this, the money. It's $67,000 is what we need to raise between now and the end of March. Why by the end of March? Because if we can get the money by the end of March, we can start our Hope Center by the end of December. And all I know is this, is I'm convinced that God is in this and that he will help us because our heart is to serve. We need your help. We need you to help us. We, we must operate in grace. We must operate in love. We need to remember that we all need grace. We all need for forgiveness, forgiveness. And we must be willing to serve outside our area of giftedness. We need you to give. We, we're not going to do this without being intentional about it. We need you to give. Some of you can give thousands. Some of you can give hundreds. Some of you can give tens. Some of you know people that have been impacted by this that would be willing to donate. We need to hit them up over the next few weeks, and we need to raise this money and get this thing off the ground so that we can serve the need in our community. I'm delighted today that we got some folks from the Hope Center here. Gary, would you come? Um, Gary's here, and he brought a couple, uh, three or four of the guys from uh, the Oklahoma City Hope Center that just opened recently. This is Gary Grace. Gary is the National Recovery Director, so he's, his responsibility is going around the nation helping people get through this. He's going to say a few words to you, tell you just a little bit more about the Hope Center than I can, and then we're going to close, and I want you to serve. Amen. Gary, thanks for being here, by the way.
0: Thank you, Steve. So yeah, it's an honor to be here. It's a very exciting news uh, about just partnering with Passion Church and with you guys. Um, I can tell by walking in here that this is a place that's saturated with the Holy Spirit of God. Um, you know, I don't know how many of you know this, but we are in a pandemic. And, and I, don't, I don't mean a year-long pandemic. You mentioned it. You touched on it. Uh, we've been in a pandemic for over 50 years. And, and it's the drug and alcohol epidemic. It, it really is. Uh, you start talking about the detrimental effects of, of drug and alcohol. Do you know that 80% of all kids displaced from the home? 80% of all kids orphaned are orphaned because mom and dad are addicted to drugs and alcohol. You start looking at the prison systems and and the problem with recidivism and people going in and out of prison. Uh, People are robbing and stealing because of drug and alcohol addiction. Um, I'm reminded of something you said and really spoke to me over there as I sat by my wife. John chapter 5. Jesus said this. Some people were kind of attacking what he was doing. And and in that, he was ministering to tax collectors, uh, people who were far from God. And the Pharisees were really hard on Jesus. And and Jesus looked at those men who were supposed to be the pious men. And He said, you just don't get it. He said, "Here's, here's what I do. I don't do anything on my own accord. I watch to see what my father's done, and my father shows me what he's doing. And he says, here's what I do, and I join my father in what he is doing. He mentioned some of the statistics to you about the graduates, about the people going through the Hope Center, um, about the epidemic in itself. And here's what I know. Here's the reason why I pack my bags and move my family from North Texas to OKC, is I know God is working through Hope Center Ministries. I know he is. I've seen him. I've seen him redeem lives, but not just lives. I've seen him redeem families. I've seen him restore kids back to moms and dads. I'll tell you something about Hope Center. When you get, not if, when you get to experience this, they'll be the very first people at the altar, and they'll be the very last to leave. You'll be over here laying hands on men, but not just men, but their wives and their kids and their extended families, and you'll look up, and these men will be drenched with tears because they will encounter Jesus Christ. And you'll realize that nothing else is more important than that. It's not about a production. It's not about playing church. It's about finding a need and fulfilling it. And I am so excited to be able to partner with Passion Church You will become a catalyst, not only for these men and their families to encounter Jesus Christ for the very first time, but you'll become a catalyst to walk them through the journey and disciple them and grow them up and mature them in Christ. There's nothing more authentic, raw, and sincere than being able to do that. I'm very, very excited for you guys. $67,000 is a drop in the bucket for our God. He owns it all. He wants to do it through you, though, and we're, we're very grateful. And uh, I'm thankful to be invited to his party and be a part of his kingdom mission. Thank you, Steve. You so, say, well, I can't. Yeah, give him a hand. I, I
1: can't. I can't wait till December. Okay, you can get involved now. You can stop out at the booth, and Gary will tell you how you can begin serving now because you can start serving now in the Oklahoma City Hope Center, and then when we get ours open, you can transfer over to ours, right? So sign up. So I just want you to do a circle check this morning. Are you serving your circle? Are, are, you, are they serving you? This isn't about skill. This is about need. This is about whether we're willing to wash people's feet at their dirtiest moments, and watch them walk into freedom. Together we can pull this off. And I believe we're going to. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would challenge us this morning.
0: It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.